I am live on YouTube and Twitter and maybe Rumble. Not yet Rockfin or maybe Rockfin. I don't always know. I need to look at that red button. And, you know, I think it plays before the red button. But here, here's what I'm doing. It's What time is it? It's um, So it's 4.58 in the morning. <laughs> I just hit live on Rockfin. So I'm live everywhere. And I am doing a live stream because... I need to experiment with the the technology because I've been having a lot of these glitches when we're doing these live streams. Like, if anybody's done a podcast, understands the feeling of you have something that you want to show people, you want to get a reaction to, that you want to have some fun with, when it, and then it just glitches out, and it doesn't just glitch out the the thing that you want to play. It just takes the whole system down, you know. So all of your, I have three screens that I'm looking at. I have one computer connected to two, three screens. And I know that that does, you know, put, you know, a little bit of extra stress on the RAM. I already know that. But all of them go down, and then I freeze, and sometimes I just cut out all together. And it's very frustrating. I just, I wish that there was like a, a day that you could just, impose all of the technical problems before recording a podcast, during recording a podcast, and after recording a podcast when you have to edit aspects of it to remove background noise or whatever. You guys all know what I'm talking about if you've ever done a podcast. I wish we could impose all of those challenges on these pricks in the mainstream media who pretend to do I'm in the basement podcast like Stephen Colbert and all those p jerks. They're coming back now, by the way, because the writer's strike is off. So we're, we're getting Colbert and Seth Meyers and, and Jimmy Kimmel, the most bitter, unfunny people. We're getting the most – the people who have the worst case of Trump derangement syndrome are going to get to come back to late night. And so they told all these people to subscribe to that podcast where the four of them get together and, and complain – about how they haven't received as much admiration and love as they, I mean, they are seriously terrible, and they abandoned comedy years ago. Colbert used to be funny. I I enjoyed when Colbert did the Colbert Report. I, I didn't agree with his positions, but I enjoyed the character that he played, and I liked when he had the balls to go mess with. It's knocked my computer to go mess with Bush. At some of those events, like it might have been a White House correspondence dinner. I, I don't know what it was, but he had, or maybe maybe he's always had this. I, I, I'm high, and uh, you know, I, not I'm high, but I, I'm above people, and I look down my nose at people. Attitude when it comes to politics, because when you look back at some of that, he he's got that there. But for me, as someone who I don't care what side someone's on. I, I thought I think it's funny to make fun of them. It was very funny of him to make fun of Bush, so I, I appreciated his willingness to get in there and do that. Although it was it, it was nothing compared to what Norm McDonald did. Norm McDonald mocking Bill Clinton and Hillary I mean it's so good. Norm McDonald is one of the greatest in my opinion. And his willingness to doing comedy the willingness to experiment and, and to let jokes sit is such a challenge, man. It's really hard to let it land and be silent and let people process that reaction. I used to be and still am very guilty of 
speed talking and racing through it and not letting it process. Norm MacDonald is like a king of just letting it sit and then letting the, the audience just uh, see how hilarious what he's doing is. And Stephen Colbert can't hold his jockstrap. I, I have already derailed before I even started. But the whole purpose, what I was trying to tell you guys, is that I wish we could impose all the technical difficulties that podcasters who are independent podcasters and not mainstream media, Stephen Colbert, Cucks, all of that on them. I wish they had to do their own shit for once. Produce it themselves, figure out, because they would just, Stephen Colbert would fold up in his own asshole while, you know, the vaccine people dressed in costumes would dance around him. That, that's all I'm saying. Now I should get to the show because we're definitely live right now. And I think, we, I think I just had a couple of viewers a second ago that I guess I drove away with Stephen Colbert's head in his own asshole comment. I shouldn't have said that. I didn't mean to drive anybody away. This is an experiment. It's also a show because I need to figure out why I keep having these technical problems. So anybody who does watch or tune in and listen, thank you. But, rec but I'm, I'm letting you know that I'm going to be playing around a little bit. But I also have some really good stuff, too. So if you want to put up with the, uh, the experimentation, you can. If you don't, then you don't have to. Now I just need to find my notes. All right. If you've been dying to hear Chris Christie talk about President Biden's sex life and Mike Pence talk about his own, then the GOP debate just might have been your wet dream. The media's role in Trump's gigantic lead in the primary and President Joe Biden's fake historic moment that everybody in the media ran with. It's really crazy. This is the Propaganda Reports Drive Time News Blast. I am Brad Binkley. I love this hour of the day. Like I said, it's 5 a.m. I figured this was a good time to do this experimentation that I'm doing to test the technical aspect of what's going on and figure out why I've been having issues because between 3.30 and 5 a.m. is when you get freaks on both ends, right? You get the early morning freaks, and you also get the late night freaks. And also, you know, the whether you're in Eastern Standard Time, whatever, the, the early morning freaks and the late night freaks are both my kind of freaks, okay? They're a different animal, but I love them both, and I thought this would be the best time to experiment with a live stream. So let's, let's dive into what I want to talk about today. I want to do a quick debate recap we did do like a mystery science 3000 type commentary on the debate last night me and and ian who has been a a guest or he's been a co-host for the past couple weeks he's been filling in and he's done a great job and fake trump also tuned in so that's what we did but what i want to do is i want to kind of you know grab some of those moments we we weren't able to latch on to because the media on both sides today or yesterday in the reporting on what happened in the GOP primary debate, it, it was one of the rare times when both the left and right agreed that on anything, but they agreed that the winner of the debate was hands down, unanimous decision, Trump. He wasn't even there. Both the left and the right mainstream media agreed that he won. The pundits spent the entire day telling us that, and I do not disagree with that conclusion. But what I do disagree with is how they came to that conclusion because i don't believe that they watched the debate processed what they saw thought about it and then decided yep yeah, you know af after my analysis trump's the winner 
I don't think that that's what happened at all. In fact, I think that there is about a, a 0.001% that anybody who promoted the headlines or was a, a voice on the mainstream media promoting this talking point, none of them came to that conclusion that way. I believe that their conclusion was predetermined, all of them. It wouldn't surprise me if most of them had that headline, Trump is the biggest winner of the second GOP debate, already penciled in to their content schedule months ago when we first learned that the second debate would happen and when and where it would be. This was a predetermined narrative for this debate. And I think it fits in with the entirety of the coverage and the narrative that has been propagated around the GOP primary race. Because despite what the media claims, you know, they pretend to hate Trump, and maybe they do hate Trump genuinely, but they pretend to seem to want to have another candidate win, okay? But they do not want another candidate to win. They absolutely don't. They don't, nobody on that stage last night, no, none of them. The mainstream media wants none of them to win. They, they don't even want them to have a chance. Trump is their guy. He is the nominee, and no other outcome is acceptable to them. I'm serious. Trump, as the GOP nominee, is the only outcome that the media, who holds in their hands the agenda-setting power, that's the only outcome they would accept. Read about agenda-setting theory of the media. It talks about the media's power to establish what the public thinks is the most important information or subject or, or issue. Uh, at any moment, the media controls that because they have such control of the apparatus of communication that, that feeds us with all this bullshit that they send out. And they have used that apparatus, that agenda-setting theory, not to pump up a potential Trump you know, challenger and put that person in the minds, the top of mind for the, the public. Instead, they have choose to belittle and demean them and focus on Trump every step of the way, regardless of what day it is or what story it is. All media is good media. They always make Trump the story. And it can, it can appear that they are trying to stop him from winning with the bad and negative media coverage, but that's not how it works. Like, that just pisses, pisses people off. Okay, so it's a regroup because, as I said, I am experimenting now, and I do tend to go on a little bit of rant, so I need to hit my hit, – hit, hit my part of my experimentation with the technology is, is uh, having the structure of the show because I, and I will be explaining what I'm doing throughout the show. This is just it, – it, it helps me to – make my uh i'm trying to improve everything and make it more seamless and by explaining it as i go it helps me because it helps refocus and recenter uh, my mind it, it's so when i have been when i'm guest on, when i'm a guest on people's show and when I, i've i've gone and done people's live shows in, in the past or, or pe i've been in other people's improv or stand-up shows or whatever and the responsibility of the production has not been on my shoulders. I love that. I, I love that so much because the split brain, I'm not great at it, man. Women, they say, are better multitaskers. I, I don't know that anybody's a good multitasker, honestly, but I'm not a great multitasker. And 
I, I like to just be in the moment and engage with people and engage with, with chats and comments. And, and producing the three screens, get it, getting the, the stuff on screen and the audio there so everybody can hear it because you, you want to show people so they can see what see what's going on, you know. it It's a challenge. Nobody does it better, by the way, than Adam Curry. Adam Curry of No Agenda is so good at seamlessly delivering great content in, in a fun way while also working the uh, the technical aspect of it like a keyboard. I'm going to admit, I admire that ability, man. I'm not a technical guy. I've had to learn to do it with the podcast, but I admire that. I should show you the picture, by the way. I'm going to step aside so you guys can see the picture behind me real quick. That's Mike Pence violently laughing at his own joke that Midjourney AI created for me. And I was explaining all that to you because I was gathering myself because I had a technical glitch. Like, I, I got to document these technical glitches because I don't want them to happen again. Like, I, I want the production value to, like, I want to improve the production value. That's why uh, I, I'm doing this. All right. So, talking about the debate. Fuck was I? All right, there I was. My apologies. All right, so here's how you know that the media, in my opinion, wants to, like Trump is their guy. Like he is their guy. They're already in the mode for the general election. It is because of the way that all of their coverage since the beginning of the primaries has only served to make sure that no other outcome than Trump winning is possible. It's inevitable. They have made sure that it is inevitable that Trump wins. I don't think Trump needed their help, but they have a stake in it because they've been constructing a narrative, a script, plot points, Chekhov's gun, that they are going to be propagating during the general election. So they're establishing all of that, and they can't pay all of that off if Trump is not the nominee, right? So they'd have to start over. They'd have to just throw all that shit away that they've been working hard to establish in people's minds and build something new around whoever this other candidate was to serve whatever the broader agenda is. And, and you can see this, like, like, on the day of the primary debate, this is just one example. This has happened over and over again since the beginning of the primary season. The day of the big debate, second debate, which should have been a day that, all of the other candidates got their focus, you know? That was their day. Trump is not even in the second debate. The media could have very well focused all of their attention on all of these other candidates, and they could have never said Trump's name, not even one time. And this agenda-setting power that they have, now, it's not going to just make people forget about Trump. That's not what I'm saying. But they do have the power to put what's going on with Trump on the back burner and put at the top of people's minds a candidate that maybe they would like to promote as a challenger. They've had every opportunity to do that, and the debate this week was another one, but they didn't do it. Okay, this is the big day for Pence, Vivek, Nikki Haley, which they love Nikki Haley because she sucks their dick. She sucks the mainstream media dick, Nikki Haley. She's a slut for the mainstream media. She's a fucking witch, okay? I don't care if she's wrapped up like a, a glittery Christmas present with her outfit. Nikki Haley is a war-hungry, hungry, bloodthirsty witch. She's horny for destruction. 
And the media loves it. They could have propped her up. They didn't even prop that bitch up. What they did instead is they focused all of their attention on everyone else's big day. They focused it all on Trump. The main story on the day of the second GOP primary debate was that story about Trump's business. What was that story? So, okay, yeah. So, instead of putting the spotlight on his opponents, what they did was they talked about how Trump got sued in civil court in New York and he was found liable for lying on some of his business statement records and shit, which is just, when you look at it, it's, it's, it's just more bullshit is what it is when you actually look at the documents. But they made that and the fact that Trump could lose all, uh, could, could get his business license revoked and lose his ability to conduct business in New York, they made that the story. And that's a big thing because if Trump lost his business, his business licenses and his ability to conduct business in New York, then that would make him suffer financially. He is someone who is wealthy enough and influential enough where he would overcome that. But that didn't have to be what the media focused on, but they chose to focus on it instead. And that is not an accident, you know? It, it, it Maybe the first time, like 2016, that's not the first time. I'm just using that as a hypothetical. The first time that they give all of their attention in their news coverage to how much they hate Trump and how much of a bad guy they say he is. And then they realize, as was expressed by many people who blamed CNN for getting Trump elected, that they helped promote him because no, you know, any type of coverage is good coverage. Trump always, Trump says it. He says it in his book. They're not dumb to that. They had an example of it in 2016. And then you fast forward to 2018 to 2020 to, to 2022 to now. They have example after example after example of them attacking Trump and the people who support Trump seeing those attacks, especially even this latest attack, as yet another example of weaponizing the justice system. And it is. I mean, it absolutely is. It's bullshit to take down someone who is their political opponent. And they know full well. I mean, one time coincidence, 45 times of that happening in the same pattern, we attack Trump. His supporters grow, grow, grow more committed in their support of him. He gets more campaign donations, and he, his base grows because the people who don't even like him can see such obvious, blatant abuses of power and abuses of the justice system happening that they're, that they're going, man, I hate Trump, but I'm fucking joining his army now because these motherfuckers are out of control. All right? That, that is a pattern that has happened 75 times now when they have attacked Trump in the media. There is zero chance that they do not know how that pattern works. Okay? Some people could say, well, maybe they're stupid. They have Trump derangement syndrome. No, fuck, fuck you. That is not the case. People on Twitter who don't work in media, who aren't Jake Tapper, who aren't Brian Stouter, who don't have a, all that money flowing through, which, by the way, that's another incentive for them is Trump brings in the views and the money. So that is, that is also an incentive for them. But to act like they are just genuinely trying to take him out 
with these attacks, and the justice system is helping them with these attacks with all the indictments. It, it is... You can call me a conspiracy theorist, but there's th that is just a little bit too too consistent. They, they're either the dumbest people on the planet, and they say, I don't care how this pattern works, I'm going to ignore it, or, or, or they know exactly what they're doing. All right, And that doesn't mean that they love Trump or they want Trump to be the president. Th their hate of Trump could be genuine, some of them anyway. I think most of them are like Saul Alinsky and Edward Bernays, which both of those two guys, which if you looked at them on an image, you would see Edward Bernays with his tie, and he talks like that, talk like this, Edward Bernays, he talks like a 1920s guy. And you see Saul Alinsky with his like, yeah, I'm going to go throw stink bombs in a theater and I have a bunch of activists go piss on well, you know, the dirty shit he used to do. You would think they were very different people. Edward Bernays and Saul Alinsky had the exact, they used the exact same methods and tactics. And uh, both of those guys, they always advocated never buy into the bullshit that you're organizing people around because then you are as controllable as they are. And, and I think most of the, most of the, most prominent politicians and media figures probably fall into that category. I think they probably don't give a shit. I think they look at it as they play a character on a television show and they go into work. Jake Tapper, I'm going to get into my Jake Tapper character and he's going to play that character and then he goes home and he is a different person. And he's convinced himself that he's doing that to pay the bills and he's separated the emotion from it because he's, uh, he's an elitist. He thinks he's better than people. But I, there's a lot of them that I don't think actually buy into it. But many of them, do. I think most of them do. Most of the public definitely does. I think it's just the people who are in the most powerful positions in media and above that that know what's going on. Because it's just so like, it just really is. I, I personally kind of underestimated how infected by the Trump derangement thing that people could be. I, you know, I... Did this go out? What the fuck? What just happened? Hold on a second. Something happened to my camera. Why is that doing that? I'll be right I don't know if you guys can still hear me, but something went on with my camera, and I have no idea what it was. This is a little bit weird. This is unbelievable. Like, I did all these things to get rid of all the possible problems. And, and like, I, I seriously, I, I eliminated all of the possible computer problems. I made as much of it analog as possible on written paper. And, and this is, I've never seen this happen in my life. Like, this is never, this purple screen, I don't even know if you can still hear me. You might be able to. What the fuck is going on, man? I just have such a hate-love relationship with... StreamYard. It's, it's better than Zoom, but boy, does it suck sometimes, too. Hold on. I apologize. What the F, dude? This is so fucking stupid. All right, so I think it's Camo. I got to get rid of it. So I use this app called Camo that is, um, I, I've probably talked about this before, but every webcam that you ever buy is a piece of shit. It doesn't matter how much. It, it could be $19. It could be $200. They are all pieces of shit. And, and I've bought, bought and tried all of them. And I've wasted so much money. 
the lighting is weird. There's like some weird hue on. It's just they're all fucking trash, and you don't have any way to like adjust the image. It's like you buy the camera, and the image they give you is the image you get, unless you have to download like a bunch of third-party bullshit. And I hate I hate all of them, and I would love to fight the whole webcam industry because they're all fucking con artists. But there is an app called Camo Studio, which if you are a podcaster or you make videos on YouTube or something. The best camera that we all have is the one in our pockets. It's, it's far better than any webcam. And Camo, it allows, there I am, I'm back. It allows you to connect your camera on your phone or one of, even one of your old phones, your iPhone like 6 or 7 or 8 or whatever, is still, your iPhone 3 is still a better fucking camera than like the best $200 webcam you can buy. And if I was, if you could not hear what I was saying, because I just came back on screen, I'm trying to describe what's going on. Then you might not have been able to hear everything I just said. I think you probably did. I should look at the chats. This is a mess, man. It's such a mess. Never do never do a live stream at 5 in the morning, I think, is the lesson here. This is so weird that that happened, dude. Where's the rock fan? All right, well, thank you. There's two people watching. I think I'm one of them, so there's one, one person watching. But, yeah, use Camo Studio. Never buy a webcam again. And get the the right connection, but like, so the next time you trade in your phone, just keep one of your old ones, because all of them are better than webcams. Fuck, fuck webcams. Fuck, fuck Logitech. Fuck all of it. Where was I? Uh, all right, I gotta find my place again. This is why I'm doing this tonight. So I know it's scattered. <laughs> I totally know it's scattered. I expected it to be. Because I'm trying to figure out the te the technology problems, it just pisses me off, man. I got a computer like a year and a half ago that had the most RAM, that all of this stuff could be seamless. I, I just something always pops up. Stella said the other day maybe they they intentionally are messing with people when it comes to the internet because during the show we were doing, I, I out of nowhere my internet stopped working for like five minutes. And Stella, she, she kept it going. Thank goodness. Like, she did a great job keeping the show going. But that had never happened to me doing a live stream ever. And I've been doing this for a pretty long time at this point. And, I, and I'm not, like, connected to Wi-Fi. I'm connected directly to my router. And it just went out totally. And I checked my phone. I'm still connected to my phone. And I have the Wi-Fi on my computer. So even if for something happened to this connection, which it didn't, the Wi-Fi on the computer should still pick up and continue streaming seamlessly. But it, it didn't. It, it was the weirdest thing. And it was probably the CIA is what I'm going to go with. Probably definitely the CIA or some biologics that David Grush sent. Where the hell was I? All right, I, I was talking about how it's just obvious that the mainstream media is trying to promote Trump. And the reason that, th that they might try and promote Trump is it's going to be up for debate, you know. The, I think that they've established this narrative, like I mentioned earlier, Chekhov's gun. And they put all these plot points. Because if you, if you start to view the news, not like, not reactionary, okay? We view it, the, or the general public views it reactionary. But... The people who create the news, and if you read Edward Bernays' book, Crystallizing Public Opinion, he talks throughout most of that book about how the news is not, doesn't happen 
the news that we see that's reported to us. The news is created. It's all created, and it's created. So they created themselves through a series of publicity stunts, like I'm going to talk about with Joe Biden and this ridiculous picket line thing. It's such bullshit. Or they they look for stories that actually happen for real, and they grab them and put them in the spotlight when they serve the narrative that they are propagating. That's why we randomly see about a school shooting or whatever, and everybody's like, oh my God, a school shooting, which school shootings are awful, but if you look at it, it's like the seventh school shooting or something, or the seventh mass shooting that's happened in the past three months. It's just the first time the media has decided that it was going to be the most important thing that people think about. I, I, I can't say it enough. This book was written in 1923, I think. The, the best book that explains how the news works is Edward Bernays' Crystallizing Public Opinion. You can complement that with his book, Propaganda, also written in the 1920s. But no book explains it better. And you will see everything that he says. You will see it every day in the media. You will never stop seeing what he's describing in the media. Edward Bernays, who is Sigmund Freud's nephew, who is also the great uncle, Edward Bernays is, of the founder of Netflix, the mind control machine, of which they have spawned many others, but it still remains the most powerful. I I, 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 I've gone off on a rant again. They know what they're doing is the point. You, you get what I'm saying. And that main story yesterday, where's that? That's what I need to do. I'm, I'm also trying to figure out the best positioning for notes. Because it's just like, I, I don't have like a, uh, uh, I need a whiteboard. I need to do like a Scott Adams whiteboard. And, and what, what I figured I'd do today was I'm just going to start writing my notes. Which I actually think is much better than trying to look at them on screen. Because you can get distracted by one thing and it takes your attention away. I hope this like helps anybody who does a podcast too. This trying to find the, the, the best screen arrangement, the best note-taking. One of the things I used to teach in stand-up was the kind of the anatomy of your set list. Because people have the you, – you develop your stand-up comedy routine, and you're not doing something new every night. You, you, you might experiment with it based on the audience, and you might expand. You might add a tag or two onto that joke. And then, but then you script it, right? And the idea, the best stand-up comedy, even though it's been scripted and done a thousand times, it seems spontaneous and rehearsed. Like you, you can't tell that it's being recited. And a lot of that comes in the way that people trigger, not trigger, but the way that people notify themselves of where their brain is supposed to go to next. And that is actually, it's an art. Like in law school, there was a whole class on uh, um, the art of note-taking and of writing conveying paragraphs and paragraphs of information to yourself that you need to convey to someone else in three or four words so that it instantly puts you in that mode to deliver that information. I have diverged once again. So Wednesday, going back to the GOP debate, debate I told myself, I was like, I'm not going to do any more than an hour. And I'm like 30 minutes in, and I'm like on page one of my notes. It's ridiculous. 
The second GOP primary, like I said, the biggest debate, the biggest day for all of them, they said, fuck you, and they focused on Trump. Right. I already went over that, I think. Yeah, you, you got that. They love Trump. They don't love Trump. I need to clarify. They are promoting Trump because they have established that narrative and that story that without Trump, they cannot cash in. Now, why? Why might they do that? Well, you could argue there's a bunch of reasons. Like, like some people actually believe that that they, the left-leaning media and the progressives and all, and all of them, that they want Trump to win for whatever reason. There, there are people who believe that. Maybe it's true. I do not know. There are others who argue that Trump, as the nominee for the GOP, guarantees a Democrat win regardless of who the nominee is for the Democrats. It doesn't matter, it doesn't matter if it's uh, brain-dead Joe Biden or, or, or you know, uh, hammered drunk off of wine, Kamala. Either one of Kamala could show up to every debate and pass out on the stage before the opening graphics are done. And she could still win, in some people's opinion, if Trump is a nominee. Because while all of the attacks they've done to Trump and the, the court appearances with the indictments and the money he's got to spend on the defense, and they try, they've tried to coordinate some of the indictments to where he's going to actually have to be physically in court on, like, uh, the biggest caucus day and stuff like that. All of that stuff has done nothing but fuel and assure he's going to win the primary. But when it comes to the, G the, the general election, they believe that that's going to cripple him, especially if he goes to prison. I disagree with that. I actually, th I, I, I think that that might be a calculated move by some people because I know some people who do, who do believe that, who hate Trump, who says he's a Nazi and a Putin puppet, but who openly says we need Trump to win the primary as progressives because Democrats win if that's the case. I think he's completely wrong because I think if Trump is imprisoned, whether they plan it this way or not, I think that, that he's going to continue campaigning. And I think that he gets even more support because of the obvious abuses of power. Although, you know, the thing that would demoralize Trump's supporters and that movement, I say movement, but it's weird to say a movement surrounding a person. I, I, I don't like cultish, or, or I'm not saying people who support Trump are cultish, or people, it's no different than people who support Biden simply because they hate Trump. I'm just saying that this concept that has dominated America for the past few years, that people just rabidly support those who they identify with as being on their side and go just all in against the other side, regardless of, you know, any information they get. They just hate them because they're not on the side that they're on. That is not a, that is not a model for a, a nation that's going to survive. That's a model for a nation that is going to implode on itself into civil war. And I, I don't think that is where we are. I think that's where our screens and the internet and the media would project that we are, which in effect could cause more people to behave that way. But I also think that because it's so obvious how full of shit the media is, that it's actually caused more people to recognize what they're doing with the divide and conquer strategy 
and realize that we're not in this civil war moment that they would have us believe that we are, which I think would prevent it from happening, honestly. Uh, either way, it's not a good model to just like trust everything one person says and hate everything the other one says. It should be about the information. And they have eroded people's ability to separate information from the source it comes from. And when people can no longer separate information from the source it comes from, then they are 100% controlled by the source that they trust the most and identify with. It doesn't matter what they say. And I banged my head against the wall trying to have a conversation like this with people on X. I, I'm not stupid. I know that, that you're not having a real conversation on X about this stuff. It's a trolling platform. All you do is troll. And if your X's or tweets are any longer than two sentences, it does, nobody's reading or, or you know, thinking about it. And cognitive dissonance takes over. It doesn't work. But in one-on-one -on -one conversations, people still have those. They want everybody fucking fighting and trolling all the time. All right, back to what I was going to fucking talk about again, man. So, uh, I, in summary, from what I propositioned at the beginning of, this, of the show, the media wants Trump to be the nominee. They've already decided they are in general election mode, and they will actively work together, even if they hate him genuinely or don't hate him genuinely. They will actively work to ensure that no other GOP candidate has a chance at all at winning. They will sabotage them for the sake of ensuring that Trump is a nominee, even though he doesn't need their help. They're there, just in case he does, because they have laid the seeds and the foundation for this story arc and story beats and grand narrative, Chekhov's gun, that they cannot pay off when it comes to the general election if Trump is not there. And, they've, and they have done this 45 times. They know how it plays out. They know what they're fucking doing. And the reason why, as I just said, you can argue that. But let's move on to why, like, like the candidates, you know. I should say this. This goes back to Edward Bernays. Our mainstream media, they do not react and report. That's not what they do. What they do is they shape and they propagate. The mainstream media doesn't react and report. They shape and they propagate. And the whole GOP primary is a shape and propagate operation, preparing us for the general election coverage. That's my opinion. Could have said that up front. Would have saved us all 35 minutes. But sometimes you have to weed through the the gutter to find the gold. Let's talk about a couple of those debate performances. I, so we did this like mystery science 3000 thing, as I said with Ian and fake Trump, which was a lot of fun. But I went back and watched some of the debate and I was like, man, this was really a kind of a crazy debate that had some moments that were really, really weird. And I think it's also... It's worth pointing out that like these debates are not just about winning elections, obviously, because none of these people are there to win the, the nomination. They all know they're not going to win. But what these debates are is they are uh, an opportunity for these 
as people who aspire for more money and more power in politics, even if they're already established, or to sell more books or whatever, get more speaking gigs, especially those who aspire for greater power, they are an opportunity, opportunity to demonstrate their ability to engage in political combat live in front of the entire country and to influence masses of people to do things that they suggest that they do. So like Stacey Abrams, for instance. Stacey Abrams has, nobody's ever gotten more powerful in this country. Nobody's ever gained more wealth in this country than off of losing, off of losing, than Stacey Abrams. Stacey Abrams has like a fucking rocket gone up the political lot. She's ascended to power and wealth by losing time and time again. And people mock her and make fun of her for that. And I've said this from day one because I have done a lot of research on her. I broke national news on her about the burning of the flag in Georgia that immediately her campaign and the New York Times and all of the mainstream media suppressed and didn't give me credit for when she was running in 2018. Stacey Abrams wins by losing. She gets rich by losing because that's her job. Her job was never to win the Georgia governor election. Her job was to organize masses of people using identity politics that she could then weaponize as what they call, as what the Bolsheviks call, like the Bolsheviks literally call it an, organ, an organizational weapon. And they use it off of grievances and the it's everything Stacey Abrams has ever done. And Stacey Abrams, when she was at Spelman College back during the Rodney King riots, she demonstrated an exceptional ability to do this very thing, to use identity politics to weaponize a mob to use that mob to then get what she wants. And that is what these debates are besides the whole idea of who's going to win the election. That's why there's a personal stake in these debates. In these debates, They're performing for their elitist future donors in hopes they will have an opportunity that will enrich them and give them more power. It's in law school, you're in like advocacy, advocacy class, you're assigned a point of view, an argument that you have to take. And your, your, your assignment, whether you could completely disagree and hate the argument that, that you're assigned to take, but your job is to advocate and argue for that position as best you can. And you, you not only do it through a written, uh, advocacy um, court document, you also do it through an oral argument that, at least for me, when I was in law school, was evaluated by actual district court judges in, in uh, for me, it was Jacksonville, right? And what, what could happen after doing that is, is you get your grade based on how well you do. You might even win an award based on how well you do. And for a few people, you might even be given the opportunity to do an internship with those district court judges. And all of this happens because of a person's ability to 
exceptionally advocate for a position that they might wholeheartedly hate and disagree with, right? That's something to think about when watching debates like this and thinking about the mindset of it's not just to win, it's to demonstrate that you are a useful tool to organize people. And then it becomes, what do they care about more? Do they care about the, ideo- the ideology that maybe they believe in? Or do they care about showing they can represent that point of view and organize people around it? And as I said a moment ago, Edward Bernays saw, uh, uh, Z- what, not Zelensky, Saul Alinsky. They said, never buy into the bullshit that you're feeding your people. Then you become one of the, one of the slaves and the minions. I'm not saying that there's not politicians that believe in what they're saying. I don't want to say that. I do think that people do believe in things that they're saying. And I think that if someone were to fight against the system and, and push back against it, that they might have to kind of be like a Batman-like character and, and seem to be in a, a, one of the elites when maybe they're like, you know, fuck the elites. And, and I also think the, that the elites hate each other. Some people have this idea that all, all of these elitists are just... You, you know, hand in hand, it, they all agree that they hate us and they will work flawlessly to destroy all of us, never having any kind. Con- it's an ungodly level of cooperation that people project onto these elite. These people are, they, they are some of the most competitive people in the world. They, they might shake each other's hand to try and dominate some other group but they never do so without having a knife ready to stab that person in the back whose hand they're shaking if you think that these people agree with each other all the time then you don't understand competitiveness you don't understand this uh, psychology of domination that these psychopaths have they hate each other more than they hate us they want to win and be the best which is their weakness and their flaw so, like, the sooner people can stop looking at them as this monolithic power that, you know, this ungodly, like, cooperation bullshit to do- dominate us, the more you realize that the distractions that pit us against each other and away from what they're doing is the only thing that enables their power. The thing they fear the most is recognizing how full of shit they all are because they know that we're bigger and more powerful than they are. They're all full of fucking shit, okay? Everyone's full of shit. Like, everyone is full of shit. We're all full of shit at some point in our lives. And and that's a weird thing, too, you know? Because the way the media works and the way that influence and demonization works is if one person, especially in the past few years, in the day and age of cancellation... If somebody does or says something or they find a tweet, somebody tweeted when they were 12 years old, that can be used to just ruin that person. Take away all of their income. Ostracize them. Maybe even jail them. As though there is anyone who exists who has never said, thought, or or expressed something that, that can be demonized in the exact same way there's not a person on the planet who hasn't said something to their friend 
publicly tweeted, written in a blog, said in a video, whatever, something that when you take out of the context of time and bring into the modern day, can't be constru construed as racist, bigoted, what the fuck ever. And, and the sooner everybody realizes that their complicity in allowing this type of cancellation behavior to, to go on, the sooner they realize that they too have also, they, hashtag they too, they also have plenty of stuff that, plenty of data and information that's been documented that can then be turned against them, the, the, the sooner all of these fucking elitist assholes lose their power, man. I, there was this guy who pitched for the Braves. It's like four years ago, maybe, when all this hashtag Me Too stuff started. It, it wasn't even a hashtag Me Too thing. He, he threw a near-perfect game. It, was, it came down, a perfect game is so rare in baseball. And it came down to the last batter in the ninth inning. I mean, you don't get that close, really. It's just crazy. And, and it, I think he might have even had two strikes on the guy. But something happened where they hit a ball. Where the, the, the I think it was the outfit, no, it was the infielder, I think. Could have made the play, but also wasn't so bad that it could be construed as an error. So it was ruled a base hit, and it took away the perfect game, and it took away the no-hitter. And it's just like one strike away, you know. That's, a, that's like such a rare feat. And then after the game, this guy who's 24, 25 at the time, the first question asked to him after throwing a near-perfect game, uh, seriously, you don't hear about perfect game, like every you know, four or five years you might hear about something like this. The first question they asked this 24-year-old is about a tweet that he made when he was 11 where he used the word fag in the tweet. That's the reporting. That's the sports reporting that we got from a, a near-perfect game. Hey, yeah, yeah, you threw that almost perfect game. You were one batter, one strike away. How about that time you called someone a faggot on Twitter, you bigot? And you know what happened to this guy? They made him go to sensitivity training. Isn't that a bunch of bullshit? He was like 12 years old. Who, who didn't say the word faggot when they were 12 years old? And by the way, nobody's actually talking about people who are gay when they say that. They're talking about their buddies being douchebags. I mean, that, that, like, there's multiple definitions of shit. And this guy, who almost reached the pinnacle of sports and baseball, then had to go down and go to fucking sensitivity training. This shit can be turned on anybody, and the sooner people realize that nobody has nothing... Like, that's what I'm saying, is they can find something on everybody, and the way you take that power away is everyone stops letting the divide and rule bullshit make them think that they're immune to it, because no one's fucking immune to it, okay? I have gone off track once more. I was talking about Stacey Abrams in law school and, and, and all that bullshit and how they use that fucking power, and the tools of compromising politicians in the future or right now it used to be like, let's look at, and they have acronyms for this from the CIA documents. I think one of them is RICE. I can't remember exactly what all of the, the letters mean right now. I'm not doing a Joe Biden acronym thing, but I know that 
extreme debt is one way that they compromise people. I know that sexually, obviously, uh, sexpionage, that's one way they compromise people. Debt and family members. So it's everything you've seen on, the, on 24, everything you've seen Jack Bauer deal with is actually in the CIA documents. And um, they go at them and, and they present these things to them to try and say, well, this bad shit's going to happen if, if you don't compromise uh, or if you don't do what we tell you to do. And people seem to think that they're immune to that when in reality there's never been more compromising material that can be used against people in the whole history of the earth. But the only reason it can be used against people is because the public who has been divided and conquered and put in these ideological battles uh, allows them to use bullshit to condemn someone. Everybody knows that that picture has nothing, doesn't dislike gay people. There's not a person who saw what happened to that picture who thinks, man, he said faggot when he was 12 on Twitter. He's definitely a fucking homophobe who wants to hurt gay people. There's not a fucking person who thinks that. But it doesn't matter. Because of the way the fucking system by these motherfuckers have been set up and that society allows to persist, it can happen. So fuck that shit. And it's crazy because, you know, you tell somebody, you're like genuinely, genuinely trying to be like, hey, dude, you're a progressive or you disagree with everything I fucking say. But look, man, can you agree on this, that this type of mechanism that obviously was used to fuck this guy over, that guy never fucking recovered. I don't know if that's the reason why, but that guy came back to the major leagues a few months later and he was never the same. He fucking, he had a 5 ERA, the Braves traded him for a bag of baseballs, and I think he's probably out of baseball right now. There could be other reasons, but he, was, he had a lot of talent. And you try to tell people, no, dude, I don't fucking, like, like, you try and break that wall of tribalism. Like, I, I didn't vote for Trump, okay, personally. But the way that I speak about this shit, people who uh, don't like it, they, they, they just presume that I am like a MAGA Trumper. I'm not. I'm fucking, I think Trump's funny, but I also, I talk all the time. Why aren't his opponents talking more about Operation Warp Speed? That is a differentiating point. Like, like I'm not, I didn't fucking vote for him. But people, I might as well be wearing a fucking red, red hat and have his face tattooed on my chest when people who are progressives talk to me. And I'm like, dude, can you just see past that fucking bullshit? Can you just fucking let that fucking shit down for two seconds? And I'm trying to tell you that the stuff that's being used against people that you hate is going to be used against you. It's going to be get, uh, used against people that you like. It's not a fucking attack on Trump. You think it's an attack on Trump. It's an attack on every single fucking American who has ever valued free speech, freedom of thought, and has ever wanted to just express something out loud without worrying that their whole fucking life is going to collapse on them and they're never going to be able to make another fucking dollar because some asshole like you is outing them to the fucking woke police or whatever the fuck you want to call it. And it never, it never works online. It never works online, and I know that. In person conversations, you can make a little bit more progress, but... It's impressive, man. It's truly, truly impressive. And I think 100 years from now, there's going to be a book or a study or something or a documentary on what's going on right now that just, it, it, it's, it'll be an enthralling uh, um, tale 
of the most impressive and sophisticated, the first probably, like, propaganda, psychological brainwashing operation uh, of, like, the modern reality, you know. They, they started it when we all got connected and whatnot to the Internet and Obama started doing the social media shit. But I think right now in this moment that we live is when all of their efforts to get everybody connected and to have the information pumped into people's minds and have our brains connected to the screens. Don't get me wrong, there's a lot of good stuff with the internet. But I think that with all of that, we are right now living in a moment where some plan that some nerd in the government had a while ago about brainwashing is coming to fruition. This is one of the greatest achievements of propaganda in the history of mankind. And it will be written that way. People in North Korea don't walk around going, I'm such a dumb propagandized person who doesn't know anything about the real world. They think that they know what's going on the same way that we think that we know what's going on. They probably think that we're like them or the way that we think about them. Back to DeSantis and the debate. As I said, if you're just tuning in, I'm doing a very deliberate experimentation tonight, not tonight, it's the morning now, with the technology and the stress that I'm putting on my, my system for podcasting because I have had a number of technical problems that have derailed shows and taken me completely offline, and I'm trying to figure that out, and part of that is me kind of going off the rails. Like I'm, I'm allowing myself to just be a little wild if you're just tuning in. So back to the the debate. One of the reasons I like to, to look at the performances of these debates is, is because, as I mentioned earlier, it's not about winning. It's, it's about showing their ability to be a good con artist, really, is what it is. And from that standpoint, you know, it's not easy. It's, it, it is very difficult. I, I might mock and point out things in these debates and their performances with some of these candidates, but Make no mistake about it, man. I'm not, I don't have any illusions. I don't want to be doing that. I, I, that is difficult. It is very, very hard to put yourself out in the public, especially live on a debate stage, where you are the subject of, of, of a bunch of people just trying to fuck you up, you know? Uh, people on stage, the, the moderators, people like me viewing who are criticizing everything. I, I, I do not admire that situation. And so I'm not saying that I could do that seamlessly. I think being a public speaker back in the days of Plato and Socrates, not that it's ever easy because it's always a little bit nerve-wracking to speak in front of a big group of people who you know are judging you, especially if they already have a, 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 a bias not to like you and anything could trigger a confirmation bias. It, it's like my, my background is stand-up comedy. I'm very sensitive to... The, the fact that audiences can they can affect performers like a whole lot they can really they really can so uh, I, I don't mean to be someone who is like a heckler or something like that but I like looking at the performance aspect of it and, and with that said going back to Ron DeSantis Ron DeSantis I I think I agree with a lot of things that Ron DeSantis says I think that he made a number of decisions in Florida that I think were really good. But I, his, his performance, his communication ability is, even on his best night, 
I, I think that la- the debate that he did was the best that I've ever seen Ron DeSantis perform. And I think that he felt it too. If you look at him, if you go back and watch that debate and you look at his body language and you look at, and you listen to his tone and you look at his smile on his face, I, I, I think that Ron DeSantis knocked it out of the park. For his, I think he hit his goals and I think that he was in, dare I say, flow, a state of flow during his performance. But the problem is for him, again, I agree with a lot of his, his policy ideas. I'm not criticizing that. The problem is for him that even at his best, there's still something off in the minds of the viewers. Not all of the viewers, but enough of the viewers for it to have an impact that will never allow him to win. There is too much of a, uh, a American psycho vibe in Ron DeSantis. Now, maybe that is... It, has been kind of projected onto him by his performance through the primary, but nevertheless, it doesn't change the fact that there is enough of the public to see that in him, even when he's doing well. He, he can appear to many people, even when he's on fire, that the smallest thing could set him off onto like a rage point. And I'm not saying that he's going to grab somebody's finger who's debating next to him and bend it back and literally slit people's throats day one. But I'm saying he looks like he is containing himself, doing everything in his power to not explode in certain moments, not all of the time. Other times he looks great. But it's those moments that I think make it impossible for him to have any chance in 2024. I do think he'll come back, though, because Ron DeSantis... He's got his, he has a good command of the information, and he's smart. He's very smart. He's a lawyer. He knows what he's talking about. And when you can get him out of his head, it's interesting to see him triggered out of his head because he'll, he'll reply back with stuff where I go, okay, there you go. But then you can fall back into your head, and then some of that other stuff will come out. But he will be back, and he, he will be much improved because he will practice the other aspect of it. He'll practice the charisma, the delivery, and he might he may even be president one day. It ain't going to be 2024, though. So I know some people uh, uh, who listen, they, I make fun of Ron DeSantis. I make fun of everybody, okay? I make fun of all of them. Even if I like them, I make fun of them. I, I'm not criticizing uh, all of his positions. I agree with some of them, but some of the stuff, it's just... It's there, but that's why he's doing this. He's practicing, and he's getting better. Not too many people win right out of the gate, especially if they're younger. And, and he's, he's not much older than me, I think. I think he's mid-40s. And he did do a lot of good things last night. Like, so I really liked last night when they kicked off the debate with the stupidest question on the planet. Let, let me show it to you. This is part of my experimentation process here. I want to see if, the, if it's going to short out again. Hopefully it does not, but I'm going to try and put this on screen for you guys. I don't think that you hear that. My apologies. Hold on a second. So to explain why it's, it takes me a, a little bit longer to get it up on screen is because what I would do in the past is before the show started, I would have all of the stuff that I wanted to share with you all already open and ready to just click share and then present and hit play. But that was, at least from my research, one of the things that was causing my stream to short out and freeze because it was taking up too much RAM memory on my computer by having multiple tabs open. Although I never had a ton of them open because I'm aware of that. 
but uh, I'm trying it with no tabs open because it just messes me up when it shorts out like that. That's why it's taking me an extra second to get it there. So let me get that up on screen. Thank you guys, by the way, who, who are listening to this, whether it's the aftermath, because I'm not going to edit any of this. So another reason I'm doing a live stream is because if I do it live, I will have that mindset and I won't endlessly edit and spend 14 hours on a 30-minute show. It's it, The different mindset is it's crazy. And so I am trying to shift more to this mindset because I have obsessive compulsive disorder. I've talked about that on the show a lot. And I used to talk about that when I did comedy all the time. And there's a lot of benefits to it, I would say. But there's also really, there's a lot of aspects of it that if you let yourself get caught in one of those obsessive compulsive kind of um, rabbit holes, so to speak, then you can find yourself doing work that, that is just unnecessary to do over and it can really you know lengthen the amount of time it takes to, to get something done and so what one of my goals is is to shift more to the live stuff because I actually like doing the live stuff better and if I just get my mindset I'm not going to go into a fucking personal psychological therapeutic bullshit this is like the weirdest show you've ever listened to from me, probably, <laughs> which, is, which is kind of funny. But I told myself before, I said, look, you're going to experiment. You're going to play with the tech. You're going to play with the, the – pre- so I put my notes in different places so I can see them easily, as I said earlier. You're going to do everything that you do when you record this, and you're going to edit none of it. And that's what I'm doing because that is part of me being able to um, uh, get this process right because I love you guys. I do. I love, I, love you. I love the interaction. I love the feedback and my ability to react and respond to the, the great feedback and the messages that, that I get. There's a number of reasons. There really is a number of reasons that I haven't been able to um, react in time to some of those. Um, one of them is uh, a little bit of obsessive compulsive disorder. And, and I'm going to stop. I'm going to stop there because I told myself no effing editing. If I go further, I'd have to edit. So, let's get back to this fucking thing. Can I can I not like present one freaking thing right after I say it? It's like I, I present. Here's what I'm going to present to you. Now, 20 minutes later, after a weird rant, I am presenting it to you. Here you go. Uh, look, I'm just letting you guys uh, see a little bit more about me personally. Here, I think is the way I'll have to uh, tell myself. Here we go. Hold on a second. Is that that? That's probably not. Here's another problem here is I don't know if the, if you guys can hear it. And this is something I'm not going to be able to test. Hold on a second. Share tab, share audio, make sure that's up there. Okay, that should work. That should work. All right, this is the beginning of the debate. This is what I liked about DeSantis. You know, the thing I uh, told you we were going to talk about 20 minutes ago. Another hour, but we only have a few minutes. And candidates... It's now obvious that if you all stay in the race, former President Donald Trump wins the nomination. None of you have indicated that you're dropping out. So, which one of you on stage tonight should be voted off the island? (laughs) Please use your marker to write your choice on the notepad in front of you, 15 (laughs) seconds, 
Starting now, of the people on the stage, who should be? I'm oh, absolutely serious. That, with all due respect, wow. I mean, we're here, like, yeah. you know, we're happy to debate, but I think that that's disrespectful to my fellow competitors. Nobody wants yeah. to. So. Nobody wants to participate. Let's do some questions. Let's talk about the future of the country. I'll answer. I want to be. I want to be clear about this. Of course, Mike Pence says I'll answer it. So, all right. That that was like I feel like that moment. Hold on, I'm checking Rockfin because the Rockfin stream. I just need to double check, make sure it's still up. I think it is, because like last night I got like completely kicked off. Okay, it's, it is still up. Good. I think it's still up. Am I going right now? Are you guys listening? Wait a minute. There's, there's no way that that's right now. So so that right there, um, what's her name? What was that moderator's name again, that hot blonde? Uh, hold on. It is the GOP debate moderator. She's the Fox News chick debate moderator the one where the smoky uh eye makeup that is what is her name i know what her name is not martha mccallum she's the one who sued the other dude sorry moderate dana perino let's see what it is i i feel like dana perino had an idea for a joke she wanted to make at the beginning of the she's like i want to get this joke in because it was delivered that way if she would have stopped before she said everybody get out your pen and pad, then I might have thought that maybe she was trying to maybe do it genuinely. But when she said, everybody get out your pen and pad, then it was obviously obviously kind of a mockery. You even heard Nikki Haley say, are you serious? And then every, so what Ron DeSantis did right there that, that is good is he jumped in first to call the bullshit there. He said, I'm not doing that. I am not doing that. I have 12 comments on YouTube right now. Are you kidding me? Oh my goodness. Estella, I didn't see any of these comments. I'm sorry. I didn't see any of these comments on YouTube. I had no idea. Yes. <laughs> um, thank you for watching, though. I'm sure this has been very weird. So I feel like that was like, like she was working with a gut feel and she's like, let me get my punchline in. But what stood out to me is DeSantis jumped in and took charge. It was a, it was a smart move. And some of the other people on the stage, if you look at that wide shot, they actually started to grab their pen and the paper in front of them and, and write an answer like this was the final question on Jeopardy. Like they, they took it as serious. And Mike Pence even said, well, I have an answer. Mike Pence is doing everything wrong. Let's be clear. There's nothing Mike Pence is doing is right. Everything that he does makes him more unlikable. When everyone started as Mike Pence is a, is a, seems like a genuine, wholesome Christian guy who has sex with his wife through, they're both covered in plastic and there's like a little glory hole cut in the plastic. He's just a nice guy who thinks he knows how to pump gas, but after he thinks he's pumped gas and he's held the gas pump in, the ga in his truck, where his gas goes, one of his aides gets out and actually pumps it. That's what, but now people just think Mike Pence is just like the dumbest idiot on the planet. I have an answer. I wonder who he would eliminate. You think he would eliminate himself? I would eliminate Mike Pence. That, that would be the best answer for him. But I liked what DeSantis did because that was fucking dumb. And when somebody like uh, what's-her-name on Fox, who's a hot blonde, presents a dumb, stupid question that people laugh at and think is funny, it can be easy to, to be like, yeah, yeah, and go with that. But I give DeSantis credit for calling bullshit where he saw it. So... I gotta find my place here again. That was a good thing that he did. Now, 
Another good thing that he did was his position on Ukraine. Let me find that, man. What exactly did he say? So everybody on that stage, really, just fucking, like, is, like, Nikki, I've never seen someone so horny for war like Nikki Haley. Like, Nikki Haley is, is moist for war. It, it's the, there was a lot of cleanup that had to happen on that stage around her podium because of all the Ukraine war talk. It's just disgusting. I'm surprised somebody didn't slip and break their neck trying to walk off stage. Like, Chris Christie could have slipped off of all that moistness for war that Nikki Haley had and caused a, like, literally crashed into the floor and fallen into the middle of the earth, and we all could have just been engulfed in the like that, that was a very dangerous black hole like situation there. And Hunter, yes, I, I would eliminate my pants. Yeah, my, my I don't know your pants, Stella, would be a far better candidate than Mike Pence. I think I, I would vote for your pants over Mike Pence any day of the week. So, you you Vivek and DeSantis had good positions on Ukraine. DeSantis said, what was his word? He said here, let me see if I can find it. This is another note I'm taking for myself, the best way to put the notes where I can actually find them. Because you can write notes all day, but if you can't find them when you need to find them, then they're worthless. Uh, here's what he said. DeSantis said, we are not going to have a blank check. We will not have U.S. troops, and we're going to make the Europeans do what they need to do. That, that's a good position. It's a position that everybody else on that stage, except Vivek, you know, got super angry about like i think uh, christy threatened to eat desantis uh based on that uh, point of view what what vivek said vivek said something like it's a, everybody just needs to realize that russia can be bad but that doesn't mean that ukraine is good right Wh which is the most obvious reasonable statement anybody's ever made yet in 2023 that type of statement is reported as the most radical pro-Putin statement that's ever happened. It's, 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 it's so backwards, and you can see that in the way everybody else reacted. But the problem with DeSantis, even though that was a good statement, is if he is trying to win, and DeSantis comes off as somebody to me who's, who's practicing to get better at doing this for next time, but also somebody who might want to win, and not necessarily, because he did a good job in Florida. I don't know what I don't know. They're all kind of controlled a little bit. I'm not even going to go deep into that. Uh, but the problem with him from that position is that's like the same position that Trump has on Ukraine, that he expresses anyway. It's not a differentiating point. And in these debates, you, you need to differentiate yourself from the guy who's in the lead. And all of the other people, like, like Nikki Haley is like, I want to fucking kill Russians right now. Like she's just exploding with horniness for wanting to kill Russians. It was a differentiating point. From Trump, but DeSantis, he ignores the obvious differentiating point that he's had from day one. And I've been talking about this from day one, and he has brought it up a little bit. I don't get why DeSantis does not hammer home that Trump takes credit and still boasts about Operation Warp Speed. Like that gets lost. There's a little bit of like cognitive dissonance going on among people who love Trump. When it comes to that, and Trump is kind of, Trump's very good about the way he presents uh, uh, information. So when he was interviewed by the chick on Face the Nation, she, she actually brought up some Operation, or maybe it was, was it Megyn Kelly? It might have been Megyn Kelly, who brought up Operation Warp, Warp Speed. And, and Trump's reaction, so, so Trump responded by saying, oh, the Democrats say Operation Warp Speed was the best thing that ever happened. So he has kind of shifted the, 
boasting about Operation Warp Speed. It's not me saying that Operation Warp Speed was good. I think the vaccine's like 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 you might be able to imply that he didn't like the vaccine, but it's the Democrats who loved Operation Warp Speed. It's like a very skillful tactic that recognizes the power of, of cognitive dissonance and the confirmation bias. But if I'm DeSantis and I genuinely want to differentiate myself, then, I, then that's the only fucking thing that I talk about. And I get that the general election, you have to talk to a broader audience. But when it comes to the primary, if you're genuinely trying to make some ground, you know, uh, get, some, get some people on your side, you got to hammer home that thing that you know that many of his supporters actually don't like about him but haven't really thought about enough. You got to bring that forward. And it's kind of like, so if he did that, if Ron DeSantis hammered home, if he just refused to answer any fucking question that these people asked and said, yeah, yeah, that's a great question, Megan, or not Megan Kelly, uh, Dana Prino. How about Operation Warp Speed that Trump continues promoting? That, that he, he's the, him and Vivek are the only ones who can say that they didn't like, get fully on board with that. How about that? Then he would absolutely get the fucking RFK Jr. treatment. The media will call him a crazy kook and maybe even put him on a fucking disinformation list, but that might not be a bad thing, right? Because it hasn't really been a bad thing for RFK Jr. RFK Jr., if he just ran as a stereotypical Democrat, you know, you know what would be going on? Nobody would be fucking talking about him. He'd have 0% in the polling. But because RFK Jr. went RFK Jr. and questioned the vaccine and put all his research out there, because he became that controversial figure, he gained all of these supporters. And the Democrats might fucking kick him out and not let him run. But he still has influence as an independent, which is what DeSantis, they can fucking go after him all he wants. But if he wants to be a real player, he's got to fucking, like, stop trying to fucking be nice and stop trying to, uh, uh, he needs to say, fuck it, I'm as crazy as all of them. That's the only play he has. But then again, this is assuming he genuinely wants to get that influence. Now I'm going to get a little bit weird, all right? You know, I told myself this is going to be one hour, which I said earlier. This is going to end up being like two hours, maybe eight hours. Who fucking knows? Vivek, I thought, was the funniest candidate in the debate. You know, because Vivek, this is how, this is my, I'm going to give you my impersonation of how Vivek spoke the entire debate. This is what I heard anyway, all right? This is my Vivek. I know everyone here is hungover from last night, but I've been, we've been overcoming hangovers in this fraternity since the day we stepped foot on this campus. And we're not going to let a little pounding headache and some vomiting on our togas get in the way of what makes this the greatest fraternity in the history of mankind. We wouldn't be the Phi Kappa beta men if we let a little vomit and blood on our skin and togas stop us from showing this university what a real party is. And real parties have no shortage of blood and vomit. Mike Pence knows. Chris Christie knows. Other fraternities at this university, they puke, but they don't rally. And Phi Beta Kappa, we puke. And we rally because we are exceptional. We give people opportunities to not only puke, but to rally. Where in other countries and other universities and other fraternities, you puke and you're out. Come here, puke, you rally. 
They stay at home. Those other fraternities in bed, hungover, afflicted with delirium tremors, a sore vagina. We do not do that at Phi Beta Kappa at this house. The men in this room right now do not cower to the hair of the dog. They see themselves through a lens. They don't see themselves through a lens of weakness. What they see themselves is through a lens of strength. We do not have a drinking problem in this fraternity. We have a drinking opportunity. And we will take the opportunity to show this university how to properly drink, how to properly puke, and how to properly rally. We will party at every chance we get because the men of Phi Beta Kappa, unlike those other fraternities, we do not have vaginas. We have dicks, and tonight we're going to use them. Every single one of us, if we have to use them on each other, will use our dicks. So get your asses up, wipe last night's dinner off your toga. These Jaeger bombs aren't going to drink themselves. Motherfuckers. And his hair grows taller as his. That's what I saw. I saw Vivek in a toga giving a speech to his fraternity brothers the entire night. My point there, other than the fact that I just wanted to do a really weird and random rant, is that Vivek had the same linear tone. Like his tone was the same the entire time. He, he, his first debate, he did a great job of like varying that tone, smiling and being more fun. Tonight, what he did was he, he not tonight, the, uh, Wednesday night, it is he was just like all fucking hardcore and intense all the time. He had fun on Wednesday. He did not, he had fun on the first debate. He did not have fun on Wednesday. And actually having fun doing what you're doing goes a long way because it's infectious. You know, like herpes and Vivek's fraternity. That's actually Vivek's fraternity, by the way. I, I, didn't even ha I didn't even have to look up, is Vivek in a fraternity? Because I knew that he was. I, 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 the second I saw Vivek, I knew that he was in a fraternity. I just had to look up what fraternity was he in. Okay, um, I, I'll look for those, those, those pockets. Uh, Dave Robinson, what pocket? Did I mention pie? I'm sure I mentioned that. Oh, oh, yeah, you're talking to Stella. Yeah, well, easy peasy podcast, says Stella. Uh, yeah, and Stella is at uh, the Union of the Unknowns. Check out that podcast. a fantastic podcast. Um, Dave, I'm talking to people in the chat right now. Dave, Stella is hilariously insightful, and she's just hilarious. But you should check out all the shows that she and those on the union of the unknowns are in because I, I think that they're great, and I think you might enjoy them. So I, I'm going to get to a clip now because while Vivek did do his fraternity rallying speech, he also delivered the best fucking line of the night. The, I mean, you cannot write a line better than this. And if, he, if, if this was a performed line from him, oh, all right, let me get this on screen here. All right, so different websites, you know, they have like the different RAM power they steal away from you. And some of them like freeze up on your thing and some of them don't. And uh, now, I'm la uh, the other night I tried Rumble and Rumble would not work during the stream. So I had to switch. So I'm going to try Rumble again with everything closed. And hopefully it will work. Here it is. Rumble. Put it up. So there's, there's, um, no, you can't see it yet. There, Stella, tell me if you can hear this. Uh, there's, you can see Chris Christie. He's, he's pointing at which person he'd like to eat. And hopefully you can hear this. Okay. And you're not here tonight. I got to turn that up. I think that might be low. 
Not because of polls and not because of your indictments. You're not here tonight because you're afraid of being on the stage and defending your record. You're ducking these things. And let me tell you what's going to happen. You keep doing that, no one up here is going to call you Donald Trump anymore. We're going to call you Donald Duck. Oh, my God. What an asshole. That was not actually that was actually not the clip I meant to show, but it definitely showed, you know, why everybody really loves Chris Christie so much. Here's the one. And it'll start a little bit early, but yeah, right here. No. Man, these times. There you go. Right, that was it. I got to pull that back a little bit. So so Rumble is so you can set timers like play points on on. YouTube pretty easily, but it's a little bit harder on Rumble. I want to respond. These these are good people who are tainted by Look at a his hair, system, man. and it's not the fault I, I think of anybody who's involved. Some of us are tainted. Excuse me. Line of music. Excuse me. Thank you for speaking while I'm interrupting. That's like it was. It was quick. Thank you for speaking while I'm interrupting. So he's he's. It's just, that's all, they're all, it's just so combative, and the truth comes out in, in these moments. He knows he's interrupting, they're all interrupting, they're all full of shit. But I interrupt too, we all interrupt. I just love that moment there. And Vivek's hair, it makes, you see in ben, the Ben Stiller movie, something about Mary, that's what I think about. I think about something about Mary uh, when, I, when I see that hair there. They also ganged up on Vivek last night, which, so the consistency of the gang up is all, they, they all went out as like, Scott, the guy who's definitely not gay and definitely has a Christian girlfriend who he did not produce. I would have liked to see to have seen them force him to produce that girlfriend. Him, Nikki Haley, uh, what's, what's his name, Chris Christie, they all ganged up on Vivek on the same exact talking point, and Pence also, about his TikTok thing and business connections with, with China, which are something that should be looked into. Definitely see if there is still an influence there. He says he's separated from that. The coordination of, of those those attacks on him, I found interesting. I mean, it was just so obvious that they all had been sent an email where it's like, here are the exact things that you say, because there was no, they all said the exact same words when they uh, attacked him. But again, maybe it's it's worth going after him about. Uh, Nikki Haley, she's a witch. She's an establishment witch. She fulfilled her duty there, uh, promoting that war. So did Chris Christie. Now, let's get to the most disturbing part of the evening. Really, where I should have started. I should have started... Uh, I should have started with this because this is actually the funniest and most entertaining part of the debate. So, um, you know, if you're still here 90 minutes later, then you've made it to the best part of the show. The most disturbing part of the evening, a, a part of the, the debate that uh, like has ruined some people's lives. Some people will never recover from what they witnessed and, and what they heard here. Like This is 20 seconds that destroyed many Americans' lives. And this is the part of the debate where we were all subjected to watching Chris Christie talk about Joe Biden having sexual intercourse with Jill Biden that was then followed immediately up by Mike Pence talking about Mike Pence having sexual intercourse with his wife. Like that are, That's 20 seconds that... No one on the planet could have predicted was going to happen. What's your prediction for the GOP debate? Well, Chris Christie's going to talk about President Biden fucking his wife right before Mike Pence talks about fucking his own wife. That's, that's on nobody's bingo card there. And everybody is jarred by the images that that puts in your brain. It scars your brain. 
Nobody wants to picture that. And, and I'm going to let you hear. I'm sorry. This is your trigger warning. If you do not want this image uh, of old people intercourse in your mind, then tune out now. That is, if you're tuning in, because see, that's a, yeah. There we go. I got to get that up on screen first. I'm presenting it. I don't have it ready to click. All right. And as everybody who's watching knows, I'm talking to myself because I'm trying to figure out the best process here. Where the fuck is that? We can go. All right, there it is right there. Oh, it's in my favorite clips category. It, it is my favorite clip, actually. And uh, actually, Mika uh, Brzezinski and uh, Mika Brzezinski and Joe Scarborough, they had a lot to say about this little interaction, but they never got through their whole uh, analysis of it because they just started having sex on with all the like the panel around them. It was everybody got involved though. It was a very involved MSM uh, mainstream media uh, sex sex romp. Here we go on screen and the. F when you have the President of the United States sleeping with a member of the teachers' union, there is no chance that you could take the stranglehold away from the teachers' union every day. They I have to stop there because just by him saying this, you know that Chris Christie has sat alone to himself and thought about Joe Biden having sex with his wife. And, and then he thought that the best way in presenting that is to use words like stranglehold on the teachers union, which is clearly uh, a metaphor for Jill. So Joe choking Jill or vice versa in bed, this guy's thought about that. It probably while not wearing any pants. They have an advocate inside the White House every day for the worst of their teachers, not for our students to be the best they can be. Full disclosure, Chris, you mentioned the president's situation. I'm, my wife uh, isn't a member of the teachers union, but I got to admit, I've, I've been sleeping with a teacher for 38 years. And um, so full disclosure. Mm, mm, mm. Mike Pence saying, Mike Pence, Mike Pence has been wanting to tell his friends that he's banging a chick for 38 years. I think his entire life, people have been uh, talking about, you know, who they're dating or whatever. Maybe when they're younger, they're hookups. Mike Pence has never been able to say it. So he has just been oozing to be like, yeah, yeah, I've been banging this bitch for 38 years. Full Like he did it in a little bit of a braggy way. You know, which I think probably is going to get him in trouble. I think he's probably not going to be banging his wife for a, a, a little while after that. But no, for, no one believes that Joe Biden is still smashing Jill, okay? No, no one believes that. That is only the projection of Chris Christie's uh, 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 mind. His, the dreams that he has is what he's projecting onto us. And, and Mike Pence needs to understand that this is not a moment when Chris Christie talks about 80-year-old Joe Biden sticking his penis in Jill Biden, that's not a moment that needs to be one-upped. You don't need to hear that and go, well, this seems like a good opportunity to talk about who I'm fucking. That, that, I don't, I, what, what was this? I feel like this was almost maybe even like written on a note card. Look for any opportunity to talk about how you've been shagging your wife for 38 years because people just think that you've never had sex. You made your kids in a lab. People need to know that you've had a little bit of penetration, okay? Even if it was in the dark, and it was awkward, and it was in complete silence. There's still been some penetration there.
Uh, Dave says in the chats, uh, I'm pretty happy I haven't watched any of those debates. Uh, Sister Wives on Take is more, you're right, it is. It, it is more interesting, but I, I tell you, in Sister Wives, you're not going to get to hear about the 80-year-old president, you know, getting, <laughs> I don't even want to be, vul- I'm about to be really vulgar. It can be easy to be vulgar if you think nobody's watching, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to refrain from myself. But that, that is not a 25 seconds that anybody needed to have. And somebody needs, whoever let Mike Pence get away with that joke there is probably the same person that let him hold a gas pump like he's pumping it and then get in his car as though he actually knows how to pump gas. It's just like Mike Pence, who really does seem like he's probably a nice guy, probably a bit of a liar, but he just kind of gets worse. And, and and worse, you know, I. It's weird too because Mike Pence famously will not have dinner with, or he won't eat a meal with a woman that's not his wife. You know, he won't do it out of respect for his wife, but he will go on national television to millions of people and talk about how he's been banging that bitch for thirty eight years. He's been getting that snatch. And might cause some problems for old, old, old Mikey Pence at, at home there. And finally, you know, with the debate. So, so where am I? I'm at 132, just to give you guys an idea. I did, like, kind of um, I talk about my, uh, the timing of stuff because I want to keep things in certain um, uh, time frames, obviously. I don't know why I had to search for that word. But I, I wanted to hit this moment at, like, the... 25 minute mark right and i'm at an hour and 32 minutes so you can see how well i stuck to the outline that i prepared in my little experiment here it looks like i'm getting some comments on on rumble here so right now i'm like are these people on rumble who are watching are they just telling me to go fuck myself or do they appreciate how fucking weird i am and how we we're highlighting how fucking disgusting chris christie is could there be a more disgusting person on the planet and not just because chris christie is some would say overweight, but because Chris Christie is just a piece of shit that you can't trust ever. And Mike Pence is like, a, Mike Pence is like trying to have some fun with Chris Christie. Sorry, I feel like I need to check the comments here because I don't, I don't want to pull up the Rumble chat because it'll make the computer and the stream shut down. But I do want to acknowledge any, any comments here if there are any. So let me see if, what we got here. Live chat. Um, awesome. Now, thank you, Major Friend. I appreciate that. Glad I don't vote. I don't vote either, man. Show the damn video. Yes, you're right, Dem Apples. I need to show the damn video. Uh, so every single comment here, I appreciate. All of them, are, are three of them are nice and one of them is correct. Show the damn video. <laughs> okay. All right, so here's Trump's reaction to the debate. To the debate. We got all the old people's sex stuff out. Um, I'm, I'm only going to show you one of Trump's reaction. It, it's, I don't look at Truth Social a lot. I don't know if you guys do, but... It, when you go to Truth Social, really on a daily basis, it's just like a fucking barrage of, of campaign ads and shit from Trump and re, re-truths. And whenever there's a debate like this, it, 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 Trump must have released 15 different 30-second campaign ads. I, like, I don't know when they recorded them or where they got them from, but it was an onslaught that you, you can't even keep up with. But I do want to show you one of them. And here it is on screen. This is Trump, his response to Chris Christie calling him Donald Duck or whatever. And this is a video of, of Chris Christie talking to his supporters about, you'll see. And it was about our country and its future. 
and I wondered what our choice was going to be. Were we going to be small or were we going to be big? I, I got to pause. Well, it's over now. Somebody took that video of, of him talking about are we going to be small or big, and they, they superimposed Chris Christie at, at a giant buffet line holding a plate of disgusting food while he was talking about all that. Uh, so Trump has doubled down on calling Chris Christie. Trump's like, it, Chris Christie, I don't, know, I, I don't know what Chris Christie is. He's probably eating. He's eating. He's probably eating, which that can be a tactic that's funny, definitely. But somebody said last night Chris Christie looks like he's on Ozempic. I don't know about his health. I just know that Chris Christie is an obnoxious asshole who killed somebody's grandmother when he was the governor of New Jersey. And um, now we're going to move on. Man, I really wish I would have got to these stories earlier because I'm sure that I've lost a lot of people at this point. But I did want to talk about how Trump and Biden were both competing yesterday to win the favor of the auto workers, right? There was this, the news reported far and wide about how Joe Biden, he, the first president to ever go walk the picket line with the the union workers right what a what a guy what he's doing he's standing in solidarity it's as if people believe that joe biden is allowed to ever go actually interact with an uncontrolled public that's not joe biden they control everything he does joe biden is never going to be unleashed into a situation with american citizens that they do not have 100% control of. Yet they reported on Joe Biden's picket line, historic picket line, as though he was just with thousands of people. Here's what the story is. We find the, I think, okay, so here's what they reported it as. As part of the ongoing strike action, 5,600 workers walked out of the 38 part distribution plants on September 22nd with the UA, UAW president making an appeal for solidarity which extended to the president of the United States and in response to that appeal Pr President Joe Biden joined the stri striking workers picket line last Tuesday becoming the first ever US president to visit one now with that when that's the premise and you already love Joe Biden and your confirmation bias has taken over what do you envision if you don't actually see the video? You envision your glorious president standing probably at the front, yet also surrounded by 5,600 workers who are like, finally, a president has stepped out of his seat of power and come to stand in solidarity with us in a sea of people, right? Let me show you what it actually looked like, because it didn't look like that at all and, and this is it's funny because they were both in michigan true to trump and this is a, another whole idea of that they are treating they're treating it like the general election is already here because trump and pence or not pence trump and uh, biden are both in michigan and that's what the media focuses on instead of actual potential challenger candidates but here it is the uh economic here all right i think so I'm just going to skim through to show you. I got, I think I got some timestamps. All right, 43 here, 43 seconds. All right, here's the, so you can see the background from this CNBC news report. Make that. Yeah, you guys can see that segment a little bit bigger. All right, there you go. 
Look at this guy. This guy looks like um. This guy looks like if uh, Chris Christie like shed like uh, a lot of his skin and became a little bit less obnoxious. But you see behind him, you see the picketers, right? And you see the streets are open. And what what would you say the number of people that are there are? We have to keep in mind that that President Biden announced that he was going to this picket line long before he showed up. He didn't just show up. He told everybody he was coming. And what tends to happen when a president announces where their next appearance is going to be? Well, I know from experience in Atlanta that the, the highways get shut down. You can't, get, you can't travel five miles in under five hours because of, of how many people are trying to get there and the protection that they want to put out. And that there, there's no... There's no situation where it's just not packed out with journalists and people who just want to be near this very powerful leader of a nation. Is that what you see here in this image of maybe two dozen people all wearing the same similar shirts, right, uh, standing around a tent? That, that's not what I see. Maybe I'm maybe my confirmation bias is kicking in. But then we go here to uh, 338 mark. And we see Joe Biden. So Joe Biden was on the picket line. You got to give him the bullhorn because the people who are fighting for workers' rights need to hear this president speak to them. And I want you to pay attention to the background while he's speaking here. We lost, okay? Yeah. Yeah. What do you think? Yeah. It's about time to step up for us. What did they just laugh at? Does anybody know what they laughed at there? I have no idea what he laughed at. Maybe they heard him up close, but they're like, mom, 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 mom. No, we're not going to belong to me anyway. John Fain, you're president. Yeah. All right, so a couple things I want to point out. You see the guy in frame right now who's got the earpiece in, who is a Secret Service agent. Watch him look at the camera here. You see that? You see him like look, turning around looking at the camera. So this is a perimeter that's been set up. Which, not that we didn't know this already, there, even if people who were genuine workers on strike wanted to come and stand in solidarity with the president who was with them, they would not be allowed in because they don't let Biden interact with the public because he's out of his mind. And there's this guy, that, so he's controlling. There he is, making sure nobody gets in. Right? And another thing to notice here, is you see the camera framing. How many people do we see here? We take away this one guy. Get this guy out of the way here. So I see one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, eight people, right? And this guy who's next to him, the ball guy, that is the only person that we know for sure is an actual auto worker because he's the president of the union and they laid out beforehand that he would be there with, with Biden. And he is actually kind of facilitating what Biden says. I think it's probably his air horn. Um, but it's like 12 people standing there I can't say for sure, but my speculation is that probably most of those people are low-level staffers that they threw a red shirt at and said, fill the background. And you will notice that something's going on here that never goes on, that, that you should never let go on if you are filming something that you want to look is popular. It is There's a gaping hole in the background. Like, it looks like nobody is fucking, it looks like a fucking, uh, a, a meetup for, for like, um, I don't know, a chess group in a suburban town. There's just not a lot of people there. It, 
so Trump, yes, Trump stages shit. Of course he stages shit. They all do. But Trump would never let himself be put in front of the camera where half the background is empty. Because that's not how you do optics. And I want you to watch here in these next few seconds. There's going to be a guy that walks in the background. He's bringing people over. So they went behind the camera and they said, we need to fill in the holes with some, basically some background actors. And you'll see that happening in real time. Yeah. 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 Right, they moved the camera over. I think I got. All right, I think I passed part. All right, it's right here with this guy's people in the background. Oh, you see that guy in the back? Yeah. Okay. So that guy with the other bullhorn and that uh, uh, blue jacket. Now he's there and he's pointing to people. We need people here. Here they come. They threw some t-shirts at him. And now he's. You guys know this is a, a, an op, okay? Like, everything is a photo op. It doesn't matter what side they're on, Republican, Democrat. They all do photo ops because to have this level of influence, they need to appear like people are flocking to see them. But even if there's two dozen or three dozen people here, can you imagine an event that people knew beforehand that the president was going to be at that is this, the attendance is this week? Like, seriously. It, I, I mean... They, they, like, criticize each other. They'll be like, so-and-so said he had 5,000 people there. There was only 2,000 people there. This is, like, 24 people. I, I mean, you could, you could fucking get on X and tweet people you've never met who might be in your area who are all into fucking conspiracies and be like, hey, let's meet at Piedmont Park and fucking talk some fucking wild shit. And you'd get more people than this. And yet... This, right here, what we're witnessing, the response in the media to this bullshit by AOC and others was, this is a historic moment of a president for the first time in history being brave enough to step off his throne and stand with the picketers and fight for workers' rights. Bernie Sanders, what, Bernie's, oh, uh, Chris Hayes actually, Chris Hayes was tweeting, I, I, my mind is literally blown right now by what I'm witnessing with Biden on the picket line. This is blowing Chris Hayes' mind as, as I'm, pro I'm assuming he's blowing himself at the same time. And then you have Bernie, Bernie Sanders who has to come out and make a statement when it comes to people standing in solidarity with the worker. Here's what he, he said. Bernie Sanders said, today for the first time in American history, a president has, has stood on the picket line Defending American workers. This is a big deal. And taking on the corporate greed of the auto industry. And he had a long other rambling statement. But this is told, this is what they have to fucking fabricate a historic moment out of. It's so fucking crazy. Most people will never actually look at any of this shit. So meanwhile, right? So this is the historic moment. Now let's go to what Trump was doing on the exact same day in the exact same state in Michigan, right? So Trump... We're competing for the, the love of the auto industry. Trump was speaking in Michigan to auto workers, and this is how it was reported for Trump. Let me show you. This is, have you guys ever looked at Media's Touch? M-E-I, how do you spell that? It's like a propaganda. It's, it's very frequently tweeted in the progressive uh, area of Twitter, but it's M-E-I-D-A-S Touch. And they reported on what Trump did his speech like this it's just so it's so funny to me some people 
I get mad. I get mad at them, but I'm like, it, I think it's funny how just, I, like, I think the people that run this website probably believe their own bullshit. But here's the headline from them. Non-union attendees held union rally at Trump's fake union rally. Right? So you, we start off right off the bat that Trump gave a speech to uh, let, you know, fake auto workers at a fake rally. None of it was real. And this same newspaper, they were all about the historic moment for Biden. And then it says, Trump posted a video of MAGA followers in a bizarre union cosplay. It was a, it was a cosplay. It's like a bunch of furries on a beach fucking each other in a cosplay. Uh, like a bunch of union furries were there, and it was all fucking made up, okay? Uh, not like Biden's genuine solidarity with the auto workers. So it goes down here, and it, it then says in this article, it's either this article or, or another one similar to it, but it said, Trump's campaign announced earlier this week that he would be giving a speech in Detroit, Michigan to striking union members. However, UAW president pointed out that Trump's speech was being held at a non-union plant whose workers were not connected to the strike. As we expected, some of the people who formed the crowd attending Trump's speech were not union members or even auto workers. So this is the explanation, and this is on every single website. And this, CNN, I think, also talked about this. They all say that this is the reason why you know it's fake, because Trump was speaking at a non-union factory, to non-union people who were in attendance, right? As though Trump made an announcement, or his campaign did, I'm going to be speaking at strictly a, a union-authorized factory to only union workers. No, Anybody who's not in the union will be killed at the door. You won't be let in. I only speak to union people. As though that's how this was announced, which it wasn't at all. But that is the premise uh, of the, of this being fake is that he tricked people, right? And, and then this this they also went on this Midas Touch website, went on to say, although it's not clear how many auto workers were in the crowd for the speech, local news media reported, uh, and this was under a headline of Trump uh, of lies about crowd size, right? Remember the crowd size for Biden? So they have a whole section dedicated to lies about crowd size. It's Trump. Uh, local news media reported that about 500 supporters were in the facility holding signs in favor of Trump's campaign. And, and then it says, this constitutes a paradox. It's a paradox to them that there was 500 people in this crowd. And the reason is because they were at Drake Enterprises, and Drake Enterprises only employs about 150 people. That's the paradox. They couldn't figure out how... There could be 500 people in an audience at a factory that it only employs 150 people because everybody knows that factories that only employ 150 people can only fit 150 people inside and outside. There's no room for the 151st person. It would be too cramped. This would be a fire hazard. Or there's no welcoming in of anybody. It, it, it's, it's a reasoning that they just blow by the stupidity of it. It's so fucking dumb. They obviously have an outdoor area, and they obviously didn't just fucking invite people from that factory. That's another assumption they make. You only invite it if you're from that factory. And, and so they, they also kind of like closed out 
their well their little um, analysis of Trump's fake rally. They said Trump's campaign handed out auto workers for Trump signs at his fake union rally, and this is verbatim language that they use, and that Trump walked the shop floor with President Nathan Stample. So they then go and start attacking the guy who runs the place, and he walked the floor with him prior to the fake union rally. <laughs> he can't help themselves. Before, con- before they then concluded that they said this, overall— this was a fake union. Let me show you that. because I mean, it sounds like I'm making up how often they're using the word fake, but I'm not. Like they, where's, the, where's that last one? There it is. Uh, overall, this was a fake union rally, unauthorized by the UAW, a rally where people, including the family that owns the non-union shop, put on pro-union cosplay for Trump. Their built-in premise is that if you are pro-union, then you are the enemy of non-union and vice versa, and that there could be no no meeting in the same space there, and that Trump tried to trick everybody into thinking that he wasn't meeting with these fucking non-union degenerates that they would, they would uh, portray as, that he was uh, actually meeting with all of these great, wonderful UA people. But here's how they actually portrayed like, like it was known long before Trump went on his speech here it was fucking reported that Trump was going to a non-union factory to speak to both union and non-union people that was in the reporting that was what Trump's campaign said and what anybody who's not a fucking dick sucking propaganda said a week before or a few days before any of this happened but they just pretend otherwise, and so what they do is a straw man argument. I'll show you one of the fucking uh, uh, here. Here's one right here. One of the articles that's not just fucking total bullshit. I, I, know, I get outraged about this. I know they do it, but it's just like some of them. I think are gen. I think that, that people. So Trump to speak Wednesday with UAW members at non-union plant. It, it wasn't a secret. It wasn't a trick. Everybody knew it. There were union people there because local interviews spoke to union people. There were non-union people there because these people don't necessarily hate each other. I am eligible for SAG, the Screen Actors Guild Union. I am not a member of it because I live in Georgia and it's a right-to-work state, and you do not have to be a member of SAG to work on SAG productions. So I'm not going to join it because I'm not all about the union. If I lived in California or wherever, I'd have to join the union. But just because I'm not in the union... As someone who is eligible, doesn't mean I hate everyone who is a member of the union and refuse to occupy the same space as them. It's like these people, they think that their readers are, are like, like people who've had their brains fucking scooped out by, by a psychopath and then just been sent on their way with half-eaten brains, and, that, and that's who reads their, their publication here. And like, even, so when it comes to the size thing, right, their whole justification about the size thing. This is ABC News here. It's just so funny to me that they're, they, they would have loved to have had 150 people at Biden's rally, but Biden had like 48 people here. Uh, but, the, but then you have the actual ABC News, I think it is. This is a local news report. Um, here, let me show you this. I have clips of like the rally where there's like fucking what sounds like maybe a thousand people even there because it's so loud versus how quiet it is at Biden's, but I don't need to play all that. It's just too much. It's way too much, bro. 
Let me get rid of that shit. And again, if you're just now tuning in, I am not censoring myself or, or I am doing an experiment for very specific reasons. And I thank you for uh, having patience and tuning in and uh, for your continued support and come to the, uh, the, you know, the rally, the picket. Joe Biden will be there in solidarity. That's what I do. I fill the space with random talking while I try and find the thing to put up on the screen. Some of you guys can probably relate to that. That's not the one I want to put up there. Here we go. So, mind you, they, they called it a whole, they called it a fake thing because, uh, in part, the – so I didn't put that on screen. This is another thing. I thought that was on screen. I just wish there was just – I just need, like, a fucking, like – I wish I could train Edmund, my dog, to produce the technical side of this. If my so Edmund sometimes will jump up on my table and he'll put his face in front of the microphone. He's like the cutest dog you've ever seen in your life. And he will um Oh, Dim Apples wanted to see the sex thing. Yeah, no, I talked about the sex thing. I played that clip, Dim Apples. And, and you know, you know, Chris Christie was thinking about Dim Jill Biden titties and and Joe Biden, you know, popping those things in the most disgusting interchange exchange that we've ever seen in our life. But uh, Edmund likes to be a, a podcaster sometimes. It's the cutest dog ever. And if he could only learn how to use the fucking technical aspect, it would make my life so much easier. But there we go. Here it is. Now, where's the fucking button? There As the Republican debate was playing out, frontrunner Donald Trump was thousands of miles away in Michigan, addressing supporters at a non-union auto parts manufacturer. NBC's Maggie Vespa is in Wayne, Michigan for us. So, Maggie, what did the president, the former president, have to say? Hey, Savannah, good morning. So, yeah, former President Trump spoke to, for more than an hour, actually, last night, to a crowd of roughly 300 people, by our estimates. Some people in that crowd telling our teams they are UAW members, only a handful telling our teams they are actually on strike. Okay, so <laughs> their own people, 300 people, they said, by their estimation, and there's another local report that actually speaks to people who are members of the union. It's just so easily disprovable, yet the... Most easily disprovable, disprovable narrative about this uh, speech Trump gave is the predominant mainstream narrative. It's just crazy. It takes two seconds looking it up, and you can disprove all of the fucking bullshit. CNN, MSNBC, Midas Touch, all of these, these hit job places promoted to show that it's bullshit. And yet, the, the Biden one, also pretty easily disprovable. Could you, like, if Biden had 300 people... They, they, could, they could not even report. Joe Biden crossed the picket line, him and 300 other people. They could not even report that because it would be such an obvious lie if you looked at the video. There's no, there's, there's no more than 50 people with Biden because it's a photo op and it's controlled. And I, I, they can't prove that any of that. So it's funny because this article, this Midas Touch article, also says that. Yeah, it says this. Uh, where's the, the quote that they put? They said, they, they said that uh, Trump was there and that they admitted that there might be people who were in the union that were there, but that the Biden or the Trump campaign offered no list of names, offered no list of contact information, and offered no proof that anybody in that crowd of what their own media says is 300 people were actually auto workers that were in the union. They offered no proof, so you can't believe any of it, which... Neither did Biden. Biden offered no proof that any of the 48 people that were at his 
were in the union. The only one we know for sure is the guy who was the bald guy with the thing because they advertised him being there. I guarantee you most of them aren't. It's, I'm fascinated by this stuff personally. I think it's just – I think it's so interesting to see the way that they use the that's – that's, as I said, the straw man technique where you create all of these – uh, these claims. You say, th this person made all of these claims, n none of which that he made, but then you say that everything he does is bullshit because of the, the claims that we made up and said that he made. Typical straw man thing, and then they just do the opposite and say, our, our dude could literally be sitting on a curb eating ice cream and smelling his granddaughter with two people in blue shirts behind him and a really tight camera frame and a megaphone, and they would say it's the most historic moment in all of uh, unionization's history. Um, I don't know if the fact that they try those techniques baffles me more, or the fact that people that I know who are so blinded by divide-and-conquer propaganda are willing to accept it without question. I'm just like, dude, just it, it, you can't even convince people that you don't love the person that they have been led to believe is their mortal enemy and going to destroy everything they care about, which is Trump for a lot of these people. And it, it, it's Biden for others, right? But, like, I can express some of this stuff to people. I can, I can show them my voter registration stuff. I can show them. Like, I get these cards in the mail where it's like these threatening things saying, uh, uh, all of these people have voted. Why haven't you voted yet? It's just like this weird pressure campaign that they do with the marketing of, of trying to just – fucking make people vote. I've always been of the belief, and I know this is not realistic and I, you know, I, idealistic, but if we really wanted to undermine their power, then no one should fucking vote. Not one fucking person. Zero people should vote. Because if zero people vote, then their power is completely illegitimate. They need us to vote. It's one of the oldest, like I said, the core of propaganda. And that's not to say that voting is not necessary and good at a local level and in other situations. But the whole fucking get out the vote thing, the idea that vote, 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 get out the vote is the most important thing as opposed to get out and get informed. Like, how about a get out, how about a get out the um, information and get informed campaign, which they would never do because they don't want people who are voting to be informed. They want people who are voting to be the least informed because then they're the most controllable through their emotions and tribal allegiances. And that's how all the bullshit works. And it's even more effective with a mass connection people have with these screens that they can then move people to do whatever they want while also making them think that it came from within them until they're confronted with cognitive dissonance and then they just fucking block the people on Twitter or, or they stop being friends with them or they get a divorce or whatever. I, 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 was, I, I was dating somebody once, like in 2018. Yeah, one time I dated somebody. In 2018, and um, all she did, like she was cool. Everything about her was cool. Uh, uh, but all she did, she would see Trump and she just starts saying he's a racist. Like, no, it didn't matter. It didn't matter what it was. And I would just be like, God, shut the fuck up, dude. And it just wasn't – people are – it's crazy, man. I just – you wish you could be a bird's eye view of this shit, you know? Like, it's cool to live in a weird moment, but it's also like I wonder what they're going to tell in the history books about this moment because they're going to tell some extraordinary shit about it. That is for sure. And, all right, now we're going to get to the end of this fucking marathon show. Uh, it's funny, too, because, like, I planned, like, I do a, uh, 
a subscriber only portion of the show because this part of the show is only supposed to be 30 minutes right and i'm at two hours and two minutes now so i've long extended my stay and speaking of extended i, I will say this i want to backtrack a second i've never been more grateful for a podium in my life than the moment that i heard chris christie talk about joe biden pounding Jill Biden in the bedroom because the the only thing more disgusting than that image to me is the raging hard-on that Chris Christie had behind that podium. Forever grateful to that podium for covering that up for, for me. So the subscriber-only portion is it's like an extra portion where I do content that I don't do here that subscribers um, get along with this one minus the ads. But I don't think I'm going to get to that today because... Two hours and three minutes and forty seconds. Maybe I'll maybe I'll just go in and do some ASMR. Uh, you know how much I dream, a daydream, a night dream about being able to have one of those voices, and it's usually female voices. It's usually female voices who also have very beautifully painted and perfect toes that you can see in just right in the camera frame. And they can move. I, I, I wish I had perfectly painted beautiful feet and toes and a voice for ASMR because I would sit around eating popcorn and pretending to talk about politics, acting like I don't realize that I'm trying to sexually turn on my audience every day on Instagram like AOC does. That's AOC's entire game. That, that is how she grows her Instagram following. Don't get me wrong. She's. A, I mean, I, I'm a follower. God, I mean, I donate to AOC's uh, uh, OnlyFans. Like, I think she's hot. But, but you know, I'm also like, man, if I could only be that that ASMR. She does this. She'll be eat popcorn. She'll be like, you know, they, they they should raise the minimum wage. And she chews like a handful of popcorn to uh, uh, forty dollars in new york and then you see all of these guys it's just nothing but dudes saying you know show your feet show more feet and they just want more feet and she's just she's talking sexy politics and i'm not saying aoc is dumb i don't think that when people tell me aoc is dumb i say aoc is a lot like trump she knows how to fucking work the media and piss off the other side she's actually very good at what she does and i think it's uh unwise to consider people who behave dumb in these public media forums are actually dumb i think they know what the fuck they're doing um the history books are going to be exactly what they are. Yeah, you're right, Stella. They're, we are witnessing the constructing of the history books right now as we speak. So to close things out, long story short, I, I do want to talk about the, the Senate wardrobe change, and I want to just quickly go through a video that is the most obviously staged video that I've ever seen in my life that demonstrates what I've been talking about, that people can see something that is a lie and a fraud, right? It could be slapping them in the face like it's fucking Chris Christie's hard dick while he's thinking about Joe Biden, you know, banging Jill or, or, or Mike Pence getting in on a three, three or four way. It is slapping them in the face and they will not see it or their brain will compartmentalize. A logic proof compartment is what Edward Bernays called it in his book is either crystallizing public uh, opinion or propaganda, or maybe both, that you don't even see it because of the psychology and the confirmation bias. It's a video of what's Fetterman. Look, I feel sorry for Fetterman. I think there's like abuse going on there. But 
it's a it's a video where they're obviously they've obviously rehearsed it with Fetterman and they've tried to make people think that he's like a fucking rock and roll guy who stands up against all of the Republican attacks and he's a wild man who represents the anarchist on the on the far progressive left and it couldn't be further from that but if you look at this video which you're going to see briefly all over Twitter that is the, the reaction to it before we get get to that they changed the dress code back in Senate in the Senate so they briefly changed it they they literally changed the dress code so that Fetterman could go present from the Senate one time wearing his fucking uh, Saturday afternoon I just woke up gym shorts and you know cut off sleeves to Congress and then they changed it they needed that image they wanted to have those photos so they could use them for propaganda purposes and then they immediately turned it back and then Schumer said Chuck Schumer Schumer's I appreciate Fetterman for helping me work on this new legislation bill that requires all of the men in Congress to wear a coat and tie and slacks or other long pants which I was highly offended by because they shouldn't genderize anybody I don't care if they've been elected to Congress and then the bill offers zero instructions for how women can dress so if I'm the a woman in Congress or a trans woman because you can just switch it didn't have any parameters on that I'm wearing like like we talked about the other day I'm wearing like the the QAnon shaman and like a fucking hot ass bikini you know like I, I'm going sexy or, or I'm going like maybe maybe hippie-ish although Fetterman did get the hippie thing down pretty well there's and I bet this happens I bet eventually a woman goes in and wears some wild ass shit they might wait till it's something you know what it'll be is uh is Feinstein a senator or a house of representative I think she's a senator I would like to see since they only focused it on men I think Feinstein needs to push the envelope and Feinstein needs to come in and, and like assless champ assless chaps not like a thong but like make sure you can see her ass and um just no fucking top no top whatsoever and she's have glitter all over her face and she needs to be wearing like Mardi Gras style beads I would like to see that because once that happens and we go ahead and we control what the women in the Senate can wear so it's like they set up a situation they're the party who doesn't control you is kind of the idea but they set up a situation where they're forced to because nobody wants to see Diane Feinstein's 98 year old titties you know she doesn't even have uh she doesn't even have fucking legal control of her own decisions but she's got legal control because the power of attorney is in her daughter's hands because she's being elderly abused but she still has control over the decisions that she makes about her constituents now let's get to this fucking thing and I'm gonna get out of here and you know I apologize for the long-windedness but that's just I did preface it beforehand but that's no excuse that should that should not be at two hours and ten minutes this is unacceptable let me get that up this is all right this is the worst video I've ever seen in my life this Fetterman thing I'm sure you guys have seen this but I've seen nobody actually talk about how so bogus this is you guys see it that's no, not up yet here you go here it is all right there he is there's so and, and some people are gonna argue that that's not that's a new Fetterman could be a different Fetterman it could be a different Fetterman you're right I have no idea it's like this is like a WWE style it's like one of those uh shots where they go in the back of the training room or right outside the locker room before the WWE fighter afterwards and they're interviewing the guy who's about to go in the fight 
I need that to be bigger because there's some like small things here I want y'all to see. Hold on a second. Let's get that motherfucker big. Get rid of that. God, I'm gonna be so happy when this is done. All right, there he is. Uh, man, I feel I feel sorry for the guy if that's even him. But starting right off the bat, for those of you watching, you see Fetterman and then you see his handler in front of him. Okay, and the the image is kind of um, it's a little bit fuzzy. But even with the fuzzy image, you can see the smirk on his face, right? You see that, right? Stella, do you see that smirk on that guy's face in front of Fetterman? Briefly, you're gonna see it like even more now. All right, it's very subtle. See, see so he, he controlled it a little bit. He's got that smirk before the person asks, right? And uh, there it is, you see it? Uh, a perfect moment right there. That guy has a shit-eating grin, Fetterman's handler does, who's right in front of him fucking shit-eating grin on his face before Fetterman has asked his question because he knows exactly what question Fetterman is going to be asked. This is, I don't even know where this is, but there's not a random reporter. This is a controlled environment. This isn't out in uh, the open space. This is not at a congressional thing where people are allowed to come up and ask questions. This isn't like a, a, a basement or something where you're only going to get into it if you have the right access. And so you have these aides, and you have Forbes. So Forbes Breaking News, if you're not familiar with them, they are one of those organizations that they appear to be on the right. They're like a Eric Erickson, like a Never Trumper type of platform. I say Never Trumper, not even to be specific to Trump, but to be specific to the Never Trumpers are the Republicans that are acceptable, that um, do not question the Ukraine aid, and that do not question any election ever, that they're the controlled opposition. It's questioning Ukraine, it's questioning that that makes you evil and bad. And you don't get down here as a Forbes. The Forbes people knows this guy. They all know each other, they're all sleeping with each other, and these weird DC, probably fucking weird brothels and shit. And this guy, I, I guarantee it, coordinated with this person and they rehearsed what you're about to see with Fetterman before they came out, and that shit-eating grin is, is the guilt that I need right there. Let me get a little bit louder. Uh, can we ask you about this news that... Uh did you see that? So he did it again. So he, he even... So as the question starts to get asked, his age stops and kind of like... there. Look at that. He's whispering something to him before it happens. I know I'm really getting in the, in the minutiae here, but like... You see, he. this is... I point this shit out because there's people that don't realize how staged all of this stuff is. These are stunts. And it's, I mean, this guy is in charge here. He's giving him a signal. Fetterman, I'll let you watch it. There he is again. He just told him something. He, he told him, he gave him a signal of what to do. He has formally launched an impeachment. In and he, he's showing Fetterman something on his phone right now. He's showing him how to react. Fetterman is looking at the phone while this woman is talking. He's not listening to her. I said he's going to Oh my God, rent. really? Oh my gosh, you know, oh, it's devastating. <laughs> uh, oh God. Ooh, don't do it, please, don't so he's do it. Oh no, oh no. He's controlling. Uh, can we ask you about this news that- uh, I, know, I know I butchered that. I will play it where I'm completely silent after this. I just want to point out these things that are easy to miss that this guy in front of him controlled the entire fucking 
situation. He's smirking there. He holds the phone up for Fetterman. He looks over. <laughs> and he's, so you see him. This is, he's fucking laughing his ass off. If you've ever worked on a film or, or, or uh, done a, a live show where you've ran through what you're going to do when you go live, you, if you are breaking, like Jimmy, not Jimmy Kimmel, Jimmy Fallon used to do all the time on SNL, that's what this guy's doing. This is a poorly rehearsed first take, and they didn't do another take because nobody will fucking question it who likes Fetterman. Now I will play it one more time, and I will shut the fuck up, and I'm sorry for running my mouth so much. I will shut the fuck up and then, and then get out of here. And anybody who has actually listened for this long, Stella, you, by God, you, you're a trooper there. You said um, they are like the rejects from most of the unpopular. Yeah, you're right. This is a bad audition. If I did this audition on tape, I would fucking go home and... I would fucking hate myself for like two days. And then I would call my agent and be like, you're not going to drop me, are you? I know I fucking sucked. I fed her, I, I fed her men to that audition. You're not going to drop me. But he doesn't know any better. And the timing is off. You notice the subtle timing of it. His reaction is not congruent with the question. There's a, there's a little bit of a uh, hesitation there. This is it, and then we out. Uh, can we ask you about this news that uh, Speaker McCarthy has formally launched an impeachment in, or has said he's going to Oh, my direct. God, really? Oh, my gosh. You know, oh, it's devastating. <laughs> Ooh, don't do it. Please don't do it. Oh, no, oh, no. We got to run back to the office. So that's what it, we got to run back to the office, as Handler said, because Fetterman wasn't prepared for any questions after that obviously. And it was an interesting reaction because she already mentioned what she, the, the, the subject of what she was asking. And then there was, it was almost like you're playing a video game or you're watching a podcast and it freezes for a second. And then he has the reaction. But despite that, I, I don't think anybody who actually analyzes this in the over obnoxious detail that I just did would think that this is any kind of genuine thing. But this was trending for like a week on Twitter by accounts on the, on, on the left. I don't like using left and right. I don't know a better way to describe it. As Fetterman's about, I fucking love Fetterman. What a rock and roll radical, man. He stands up to the Republican abuse of power. I'm like, dude, are you serious? And I can't even tell people that. Like, just take politics out of it, bro. Can we not just enjoy how obviously staged something is without someone presuming that I'm a fucking Nazi on the other side. I'm just trying to say, dude, there's like some legitimate shit you can point out, okay? This isn't one of them. Let's laugh about this stupid, and they're like, it's fucking real, dude. Fetterman's a fucking, he's a fucking ceiling breaker, dude. Yeah, well, he had a stroke, a, de a debilitating stroke, and he, he, he can't, so Fetterman, has aphasia and my dad had a stroke before he died and it's it um it it's difficult but that doesn't mean their brain doesn't work it doesn't mean that but it does mean it, it could mean there's problems it means they have a problem processing and communicating information which maybe that explains what's going on here but fetterman whenever he did any of the debates with dr oz he had a, a very detailed like computer thing that was like new technology translating all of it for him and I think it was just telling him what to say but 
It all took far longer than this. Fetterman can't have spontaneous reactions like this based on the premise that they have set up with his brain injury. Yet, he's a fucking badass who will stand up to the Republicans' impeachment efforts. And he's, whoa! I would love Fetterman to be part of, like, a, a Halloween display, actually. And I gotta tell you, you get, he, Fetterman's, like, six foot eight, if this is a real Fetterman. Uh, I say we elect Mike Tyson. We get him in there. We get Fetterman, we get Tyson. Who's somebody else we can bring in? It's just a fucking, uh, looks like an ass beater or is an ass beater. Maybe The Rock. The, the Rock likes to hang out with Oprah. He's talked about running for office. We get Fetterman, we get Mike Tyson, and we get The Rock in the Senate. And ain't nobody going to be storming the Capitol ever again. You just got to give them free will to start whipping some ass. Of course, we see that nobody gets held accountable when they do shoot people who come in to the Capitol that disagree with them. But that's a much dark, darker subject that I shouldn't have even brought up. I'm going to shut the fuck up now. Thank you for watching. That was the weirdest show you've ever heard in your life from me. And I appreciate you letting me do that. And I'll talk to you next time. Stella, thank you for hanging out. Furry Bikini, he's like a big, dumb security beef. He is like a big, dumb security beef. Uh, Dave, thank you for the comments. Those of you on Rumble, I'm sorry I didn't see your comments earlier. Uh, yeah, I wasn't expecting any comments there, so I didn't have to pull up on my phone. But thank you for watching, and I hope you appreciate how fucking weird I am. We'll talk to you next time. Have a fantastic rest of your, was it morning, depending on where you are? Later!